It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast time. What's up, everybody? It's Talk LP Podcast time. I'm Amber Bradley, your host. Thanks for tuning in. Stoked to welcome one of my favorite restaurants and my daughter's favorite restaurant, Chipotle. Josh Phillips, Senior Director of Safety and Asset Protection. What is up? Hey, Amber. So glad to be here. This is pretty exciting. Thanks You're in the us. hot seat now. No I am. Escaping. I am. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because he's like, I know that you never ask people what you tell them you're going to ask them, but we will start with the standard, which is background, because you have a pretty diverse background, which is cool because, you know, I got some favorite folks over there on the restaurant side, and you've done the whole restaurant thing and retail back in restaurants now with Chipotle. So happy you guys added the quesadilla, finally, because it's my favorite. Finally. Um, Okay, so give us a little bit about your background and what you're doing now at Chipotle. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like, I I would say like most people, I started in loss prevention, asset protection in the the big box environment, catching shoplifters, at least people my generation older, that's typically how we start, right? Yeah, I know you've heard that story plenty. So that's how I started uh, working at Walmart. I first worked there part-time through high school and then once I graduated high school, went away to college, majoring in criminal justice at first, uh, the job opened up to be in what they called back then an in-store loss prevention associate. And I walked the sales floor, no cameras, walked the sales floor and, and caught people shoplifting. So that was my first entry into the loss prevention world. Uh, after that, I've worked in a big box retailer owned by the May company uh, called LS Airs. It was the Indiana um, branch of the May Company. I uh, did that for several years, but about the same time I joined the Air National Guard, I was activated for a little while with the Air Force. Cool. Uh, then uh, I, I was a medic when I first joined there, so I became a paramedic in the civilian world, went to school for that. So I did a whole bunch of jumping around when I was younger. I uh, had two or three jobs at the same time, kind of always in LP while also doing EMS. Uh, and then for whatever crazy reason, while I was a full-time paramedic assistant shift supervisor, I, uh, a, a Starbucks was opening in my right, almost right next door to our ambulance station. And prior to that, I only, I only uh, had Starbucks when we went to the big city, Indianapolis, uh, about, <laughs> about an hour away from where I lived. And uh, I knew I loved the company culture. I thought the whole coffee thing was cool. Again, me being small town that was pretty new to me at the time. So I got a a part-time job there while working on the ambulance, got out of loss prevention and I loved it and ended up becoming the the store manager there, uh, then a project manager and then uh, a district manager when I left. So that was kind of a stint outside of loss prevention and asset protection. But I knew that my path when I got out of, of loss prevention, I knew I wanted to get back into it. I really enjoyed the work. I enjoyed the fact that, you know, you can, when you wrap up an investigation, there's this sense of satisfaction that you've helped the organization. Uh, you get that immediate gratification of the result. And uh, I wanted to get back into it. But at the time, Starbucks team was very small. Their field team was, and they were very tenured. I'm still friends with a couple of them to this day. Uh, so I left Starbucks and went to 
what the company that was Liz Claiborne back in, at the time, it's now Tapestry through a bunch of acquisitions, mergers, changes, but the only brand left from that old company that uh, when I was there is Kate Spade, which is a part of Tapestry. Um, so yeah, I was a district asset protection manager for them and then went to Bath and Body Works, L Brands, where uh, I was the first Bath and Body Works dedicated regional asset protection manager hired after the recession or during the recession actually in 2009 after uh, L Brands, uh, then Limited Brands had sold Express and, and, uh, and the Limited. So it was Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works, a couple other brands. I was hired just to support Bath and Body Works and I was there for over 12 and a half years. So obviously I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moved around, had a bunch of different jobs from regional asset protection manager, senior manager, then a field-based director. Then the last three and a half years there, I led the, Beth, the, uh, the function, the asset protection function for Bath and Body Works, uh, kind of leading them through the, the uh, split from Victoria's Secret as they started becoming their own company. And, uh, and then Chipotle came calling. And, you know, I must've been the, uh, the lure of the burrito. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe I knew instinctually that the quesadilla was coming and yes. that, they, that they would finally have something for us, Amber, that, our, <laughs> our, our favorite dish. But well, I, I trick myself into believing that it's lower calorie than the big burrito <laughs> that I was eating. I don't know if it's true. Don't ruin my bubble here with that whole thing, okay? Because it is. It's half the calories of a burrito. Hey, so you, eat- you know what? Go for it. I'm not speaking on behalf of Chipotle here. If you wanna, <laughs> if if you wanna believe that, we'll let you believe. <laughs> Good. Well, that's incredible. I mean, I think that what's really cool. Um, and I was just talking about this to somebody else today and doing all these interviews with executives, there's not really one that you interviewed that's like, oh no, I pretty much did in the exact same role and made it all the way up to the VP of that role. So I think it's cool. And talk a little bit about that. You know, here's my first not on the question list question, right? But if you think about doing that time in ops, right? As the store manager, district manager, I mean, it feels like to me, especially in these days, right? That people respect the fact that you've been there, right? So even at Chipotle, when you're, you know, implementing new policies and procedures, it's like, well, I know what it's like to have worked on the front line here. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're hundred percent correct. And I, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure most people listening have had the same experience. How many times someone will say to me as, as what they view as the security guy, the security practitioner, uh, well, you, you, know, you, you wouldn't understand what it's like to have to close a drawer uh, or to, to have to you know, close down a restaurant or a store after hours. And, and I could say, yes, yes, I can. Uh, now, I don't think that's a prerequisite to being successful in asset protection, but it sure helps. And it, it breaks down those initial uh, resistance points that you meet when you're trying to coach and teach through these you know, various challenges that the restaurants are faced with. So yeah, it does get me into the conversation, I think a little bit earlier. Uh, it maybe starts, it helps me start with some credibility points uh, yeah. that, I, that I would have had to have earned over a little bit longer time. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, okay, so I always like to ask this one and I, everyone that listens to these are like, oh, this is her one of her favorite questions, but um, life leadership lessons, right? I mean, I think if you look at some of the things that you did as far as changes go, you know, I when I talk to people either 
they're like super clear from when they were 20. Oh, I knew I wanted to get to the top and this is how I was going to get there. Good for them. That certainly wasn't me when I was 20. But when you're making some of these zigs and zags right along the way, like you said, well, the Starbucks team was full. I mean, because they were small and they're just starting out. But this is I knew this is what I want to do. So I was like, see ya. You know, I go and do it. Yep. Like talk a little bit about like some of these life leadership lessons as you navigate, you know, these different things. Um, what have you relied on? What has kind of guided you? Any guideposts that, you know, you could in, instill in the audience here? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm not good at the, uh, you know, the, the expressions or quotes that you put up on the wall. Uh, I mean, I, we all have those things that are in the back of our minds that help guide us. But for me, the, the, the simplest answer to that question is, is to find your identity and be yourself. Uh, you know, really understand, put energy into understanding what it is that you want right now and be okay with the fact that you don't know what you want in 10 years. Cause I'll tell you, I did not. I, when, well, you heard some of that journey and I even left a few smaller things out uh, in that uh, back and forth on. Um, and, and I was okay with that. If, if other people um, out on the outside and there were those people in family or, you know, mentors that would say, I don't think you should make that move. Or I, I don't know if this is the right, if this is the change that you, that you're going to want. Sure, I heard them out and, you know, you should be open to other points of view, but ultimately you're making a decision for yourself. You're making a decision for either your personal life or your career. So you have to know what makes you happy. You have to know what level of risk you're willing to take. And if you're comfortable with that, then, then take it. If it's the right thing for you, do what's right for you. And uh, I, I'm not ashamed of that. I think some people in the corporate world, especially the way work used to be, I think it's much less so now, but the way work used to be, you weren't allowed to say that. You had to be the company person. You know, uh, you had to be always represent the company's best interest. And when you were thinking about making a career change, there was this weight of what's it going to do? You know, what's, what's it going to mean for the company or what's it going to mean for the team? There's certainly a right way to leave. Um, I feel like I've done that. Uh, in, in my last couple of, of career changes. Uh, but ultimately, I made those decisions for myself and my family and, and what's going to, to lead to my long-term happiness. So I would boil that down to know who you are and, and be yourself at work. But so that applies to the, change, the career change question as you framed it. But I also think it does apply to living your, out your daily life at work. So are you allowed to come to work and be yourself? Are you allowed to be professionally authentic at work. And if you're not, um, I'd encourage you to find someplace else to work because there's nothing better than being able to show up every day and be yourself, contribute fully to the company's mission, knowing that the company is welcoming you as you are uh, to be a part of their mission. And that's one thing I love about Chipotle. Uh, Chipotle is very open about that. Authenticity lives here is one of our four values. And that's exactly what we're speaking to. Authentic food, of course, which you love, but also authenticity in, in the team and each individual member of the team. Yeah, I think that's definitely a new, I've seen it in my lifetime, right? I mean, these millennials are like, what else could it be? It's like, well, <laughs> it could be pretty strict. We can tell you, right? I mean, so 
I love that. And I think that it's definitely a new thing. I wish it was like that when we were getting jobs, you know, when it was totally different. You're like, oh no, I'll work 700 hours a week. I don't care. It's fine. And now it's all like kumbaya work-life balance. So good for you, millennials. Okay. But um, moving on. So this is interesting and also one of my favorites, which is why I ask it, uh, specific loss prevention challenges to watch out for. And I like this because we have listeners from all over, right? They could be just starting out. They could be VPs, directors, whatever they are. We appreciate them. But, you know, you think about what you could tell yourself when you were younger, right? And this is a short show of like 20 minutes, but I know I could fill that up forever. Um, lessons learned looking back. But if you had to pick one or two, like, what would you tell your younger self? I mean, I know you said you were trying out a lot of things like with the three different jobs, like, man, like that's really smart, you know, this day and age to think about. But back in the day, it was like, you get one job, you stay there for eight years, not a day less, you know? So what would it be like, if anything, to go back and say, look, hey, heads up on this. Well, that's one of them, as I think, not necessarily go have three jobs, but but uh, be open-minded to where your uh, career path will lead. And, and again, that can include within your own company. So I'm not, nothing I'm saying is necessarily encouraging people to leave if, if you're happy where you are. So to be very clear, for the, the directors and VPs out there, I'm not <laughs> encouraging your team to leave. Uh, it, but that can, that can mean within your own company. And when you, as a leader, when you have that mindset of, Hey, I'm, I'm open to bringing people on the team that don't have the traditional background that didn't follow the traditional path. The one I just described to you of, you know, they caught shoplifters. Okay. Then they moved to internals. There is that kind of classic path into asset protection, especially in retail. Um, I've always been proud of the fact that I'm open-minded to bring other people on who may not have that background, but they have a, a, a trait, a characteristic that's going to add value to the team, or they might have a special skill that is needed in the security space that we're lacking. So bring that person in and, and get them on board. It may require a little bit more onboarding investment, uh, but it's it's paid off uh, for me greatly. But if I'm talking to the young person who is is young in their asset protection career, I would I would say take the same approach: is be open to different. You know, security in itself is a collaborative. Good security is a collaborative process. You know, you've probably heard the term enterprise security risk management, right? Where we don't we don't own it. We don't own the product. We don't own the asset. Uh, someone else does. They need to be the security person. You're the subject matter expert that helps them and guides them and provides them advice. So taking that mindset with your career as you're starting off will help you greatly. You'll miss fewer things. uh, You'll be relevant in more conversations and that will open doors. That'll either make you a more valuable security leader or it will open a career path within your company you didn't even know existed. Maybe you really are suited for ops and you can take your security background and go be an ops leader and do like I did and come back to asset protection in a, in a different role where you can now add more value. So that's, that's my, I guess, you know, playing off of that conversation we had earlier, that would be my biggest piece of advice in, in that way would be, uh, be open-minded. No, I love that. I mean, it's, um, 
I think easier these days, but also depends on your personality. You know, I mean, it's hard when you're super type A and you're, you know, want to get there before you're really ready to be there. Right. So, um, that's tough. Okay. Best career advice you've ever received. And then we will do worst, but I love, I love the best slash worst. What yeah, do you I got? One, yeah. I know that's one of your favorites. Yes. Uh, yeah. And the, and boy, there's a lot of advice out there to, oh, uh, yeah. to listen or, or not listen to. And I, I hope this isn't a, um, uh, just a, a, an obvious answer, but it's, man, it's so true. And I still find myself coaching other people to it to this day. And that's understand. And frankly, even more than understand, know very well your core business. So of course you have to be a security subject matter expert. Of course, that's a given. Everyone expects you to be if you're in this role, but you must know what your core business is all about. Now, do you have to, in my case, do I have to be able to roll a burrito as well as our crew members do? Uh, no, I, I would be lying to you if I said I could, but I've certainly spent time behind the line rolling burritos and, and serving guests to understand the business. You, the conversation we had earlier where you, you brought up the fact that I was in ops before um, and how that helps me you know, break down barriers. You don't have to have formally worked in those roles. You can go spend time in your, in your store, in restaurant, whatever unit you are supporting to understand what it is they're faced with. So That's when you're helping, yeah. And when you're helping them in a time of crisis, which often were the ones that, that they're calling, uh, your credibility just goes up tremendously when you can immediately empathize with the situation that they're in, but also you can customize a solution to their need because you've done it, or you at least know how it works enough to be able to give tailored advice. Uh, so that that's just, you have to know your core business. Otherwise you won't, you'll never have a seat at the table. Yeah, that's a good one. No. And, and I love this, you know, some people were like, well, look, there's never been an ops opening for me. It's like, well, that's not exactly an excuse, which I like, you know, you're kind of thinking differently on this one, but okay. Worst career advice. Yeah. I had to think about this one. Cause I, 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 I feel like I've got a pretty good filter of letting the bad <laughs> advice go in one ear. And it's out already the been gone. It's right. been thrown so to the not, wayside. Yeah. I try not to retain it, but I think in one of those, you know, as I was thinking about advice, some of that stuff that's kind of turned cliche over time uh, that I just don't agree with. The one that stood out to me is that this thought process that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Oh. Uh, especially if you're a, a leader. So my client, I report to the, the chief people officer of Chipotle. And she has put me in this role to be the forward thinking leader that's going to keep our enterprise secure, right? Keep our people safe, keep our property safe. Uh, if, if I take that mindset of, well, if it's not making any noise or it's not asking for my attention, I'm not going to pay attention to it, then eventually it will start making noise. And it's probably going to be at a crisis level or a problem if yeah. I'm not constantly looking out for what's coming next. So a forward thinker, someone looking for emerging trends, someone who's interested in uh, the way technology is adapting, uh, cannot have the mindset of it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It may just be, are you asking the right question? 
if you're asking all the right questions of the of the problem and it it's everything's running just fine of course don't go invent a problem that doesn't exist right i'm not, i'm not suggesting that but have you done your due diligence have you asked the right questions to understand if it really is operating the way it should be to sustain the business or is it is it really broken and just no one's noticed yet so that's the one I, I I hate that it's kind of to me it's kind of a lazy uh approach to to doing work it's I don't I'll just put that over the dark corner and never think about it again and uh, I just don't like operating that way yeah that's an interesting view of that saying for sure yeah yeah um okay two more uh all right I like this one because it's advice for solution providers partly because you know if they're doing what the opposite of what you're about to say, they never listen to your podcast, which honestly, I would never do business with any solution provider that didn't do some research on me. Would I mean, come on. Yeah. So any advice for solution providers trying to provide you, and I would just say not specifically Chipotle, but through your career, you know, trying to provide you solutions. Yes. Uh, and you hit on a big one. Obviously they need to know your business, right? That, that's obvious. I, but we've, we've all encountered those solution providers that that don't or they only pretended to know your business maybe they googled you 30 seconds before the phone call and 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 you can tell that they did i've i've had i had a solution provider here uh, recently that referenced the former ceo as our ceo and that person hasn't been our ceo in 5 years i mean so it's or longer so that that's not good not a good way to start out a conversation yeah uh, so but beyond that my advice uh, is to understand this, well, first of all, know the problem. What's the problem that needs solved? So is there a problem that needs solved that your solution works for? Don't, and, and then don't go try to create a problem for the, 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 the client uh, that just doesn't fit with what their business needs, right? But what's the problem to solve? And then tailor your pitch or your solution to the problem that the client needs solved. So that's Again, sounds like 101, but it it doesn't always work that way. I, I would say it's 50-50 on, on the pitches. We're building a department here. So we've met with a whole lot of solution providers over the last 18 months or so. Uh, and again, I think it's about 50-50. So that's one. The other piece of that, is particularly when you're talking to Chipotle or other companies our size or bigger, is understand scale. How, how is your solution going to scale? If you're going to charge me by end user and I have 100,000 plus end users, your solution probably isn't the right one for me, right? I need to, I'm going to need some kind of enterprise license or something that's going to include everybody. Again, these are simple things, but these are all things I've encountered over the last year or so that, that you know, ended conversations or caused me to move on. So understand, understand scale. We're running over 3,000 restaurants, 100,000 people. They're all co corporately owned. So I'm not making a decision that I'm going to have to then later pitch to a franchisee or, you know, some other, you know, smaller group. No, no, we're making decisions for all 3000 and yeah. scaling to 7,000. So does your solution fit? And if it does come prepared really early in the conversation with helping me understand how and why it fits. Yeah. It seems like that's a pretty simple thing, but I mean, it's crazy yeah. that you would interact with people that go, Oh, how many stores that you have? That, yeah. Wow. That's a lot of people. Um, or we're right. being asked, we're being asked, you know, do you franchise at all? I mean, that was a simple Google search. You could have just found out. Yeah. So <laughs> we, 
We've all been there. I now, don't I have worked that. And I've worked with some amazing, wonderful, excellent solution providers. So I want to be very clear about that. Yeah. But, but yeah, for those that aren't getting those things right, uh, that's my advice. All right. I should stop saying, oh, it's my favorite because they're all my favorites, my <laughs> podcast. All right. Uh, if you weren't an LP executive, what, and this last hot seat question, what career did you miss out on? I mean, you, I've, you got a lot going on there. Paramedic, yeah. doctor, like where, where are you at? It, it would, you know, I don't have the one thing that I felt like, uh, that I feel like, man, I, uh, if I could go back in time, I wish I would have done that. I don't, I don't really have that one thing. I know a lot of my colleagues do. There are those things that I wonder out loud. So take the, the Air Force. I did have an opportunity at the end of my, when I was activated, um, I had an opportunity to stay on and continue with that active service. Uh, and God knows when that would have ended and I would have had to extend my enlistment. I think to myself, what would have happened if I had extended that enlistment and stayed in? I did really enjoy what I was doing. And I've got friends now at my age who are now retiring from their 20 years in the military. Wow. So, uh, you know, when we've done lots of, you know, we've had lots of conversations, I see their journey. So part of me goes, hmm, I wonder what would have, life would have been like if I'd taken that path. And part of me um, on occasion thinks, yeah, I, that would have been cool to do. Um, I did like the paramedic work. I also really uh, like the idea of, of teaching, um, of, of coaching, teaching. I, I referee uh, high school and college football as my, as oh, my kind of hobby. So yeah, start to get, cool. yeah, about to start to get really busy here in about two weeks. Yeah. Um, but, but so there's that side of me too, that likes, you know, working with, working with the student athletes and, and, um, you know, being in that environment. So it, it would be, regardless, if you notice the thread of all those things I mentioned, it's service, it would be something service related. Uh, and that's one of the things I like about asset protection. I think if, you can get really excited about your job if you see it as serving the people who are carrying out the work of your business. And that's how I see it is we're here to protect the, our people and I'm working for them more than I'm working for, um, you know, the, the, the big burrito in the sky. Yeah, <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So I uh, love that perspective. Yeah. And that's such good advice too, because it puts a face and like feelings with what you're doing, you know, which Absolutely. can go across the board to not only their safety, but if you're doing internal investigations or anything. So, all right, Josh Phillips, we really appreciate, we finally got you into the talk LP hot seat. Thank you so much for being here and chatting Happy with us today. Thank you. Really appreciate right. it. This was great. Look, a lot of value here, man. And you can find this on the Talk LP News app if you are watch, listening to this on the website. Talk LP News app, you can take and rewind Josh and all his nuggets of good information in the palm of your hand, which is super cool. So you can always tweet us too at Let's Talk LP. I check that occasionally. Follow us on LinkedIn. Thanks again for watching, y'all. We'll talk at you later. See ya. Cuz, cuz, cuz. No one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cuz no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.